Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. The audio quality on episode 149 was bad, and we won't know if the audio quality on 150 is any better until after it's all recorded. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we'll hope it is. This is our 150th episode, and it comes yes. at an auspicious occasion. We are doing our ASU 2018 football game-by-game game preview. This is an annual tradition that we've done since we arrived at ASU, and this is our third yep. year recording it. This year is going to be a little different. We're going to focus a, an extra maybe 30 seconds on UTSA in week one because it's going to double as our game prediction. Yeah, yeah. So, Matt, as you know, right before we started recording, I looked up that UTSA's best offensive player is senior running back Jalen Rhodes, who's a five yeah. nine uh, tailback averaging nearly five yards a game last year with five touchdowns. I hope it was more than five yards a game. Five yards a carry. I'm sorry. Five <laughs> yards per carry. If it was five yards a game, I feel better that our chances are really, really, really good. I, I still feel like our chances are good, but if their best player averaged five yards a game, I'd, I'd be really happy. He had 659 total yards. Definitely okay. more than five a game. Slightly more than five a game, yeah. yeah. Um, but on defense, they've got a lot of veterans, it looks yeah. like. Uh, seniors at, at all at all three levels, and if we're going to beat them, we are going to have to score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a game that uh, we've you know, as you mentioned, we've done this a lot, and and the majority of the years we've opened with a home game against a nondescript team. You know, save for what was it twenty fifteen when we played A and M. Um, pretty much every other year since we started school, our, our opener was home and against a team that you know is either a one double A school or a lower level one A team. Um, this is a lower level one A team, so a little bit more you know a, a little bit more bona fide, I guess, than than you know some of the years we've played you know Sacramento State or UC Davis or NAU, obviously a number of times. Yeah, you know and. And you, you go into those games, and one of the things I've said, we've both said over the years, is like, you know, those games are ones that you can say, well, the, the only thing really you can come out of with is concern. Because if you don't play really well and blow that team out of the water, it's concerning. Um, last year felt that way. Now, that turned out not to be quite true, because New Mexico State was a little better than we thought at the time. I mean, they ended up, you know, having a winning record, getting to a bowl game, which they hadn't been in a long, long time. Um this year, I feel like, you know, there's some positives that can come out of this. This is not a walkover team. It's not a team we can just go through the motions and beat. Uh, you know, they had a winning record last year. They, they were one of the very few that got left out of a bowl having a winning record, but did go 6-5. and five. Uh, They lose their quarterback, and they lose the first-round pick on defense, Marcus Davenport, who, of course, you picked to be the defensive rookie of the year last year. So, you know, they they lose some some key players, but a solid program that gave us all we could handle two years ago uh, and one that we should not, you know, try to sleepwalk through or else we'll get beat. I remember the NAU game back when we were in school where it was 14-14 at the half. Yeah, and it was a yeah. lesson in taking this seriously, taking the opponent yeah. in this game seriously. And that was a terrible omen for the year. It was. I believe that was 2006, right? When mm-hmm. we uh, when we ended up going bare well, I think we went six and five and 
made the Hawaii Bowl, but it was certainly a, a underwhelming season after a, a pretty promising year in 05 that, you know, finished on a really good note. 06 was a big letdown. To that end, her must win. This is a, yeah. a must-win game for this program. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, given given what comes after um, the next three games after that, you know, there's there's not an easy win on the schedule, in the, you know, throughout the opening four games, except for this one, you hope. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one you need to get off to a good start, but... Really, I, I believe if we go, if we play really well and we win big, I'm going to, I mean, I'm not going to say that, oh, this is a sign we're going to, you know, win the Pac-12, but I'll feel better about it than maybe, a, you know, a game, I remember Graham's first game, I, I can't even remember who we played, I think it was UC Davis, I think, and we beat him like, you know, 63-6 to six or something, and it was great, but you're like, well, what does that really mean? You know, I mean, it's an opponent you should outclass uh, physically and all of that. Well, you know, this is this is a one A school. They have the same amount of scholarships. They, you know, they're not going to get physically worn down and beat up like some of those teams we played. And so, you know, there's there's positives that can come out of this. Hopefully, if if things are positive, there's things I will feel good about. I think. Matt, I have a two part question for you. Will the backup quarterback get reps in this game for ASU? And who will that backup quarterback be? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, hopefully we're in a position where maybe both of them can. You know, I mean, hopefully we can, you know, be up big at the half and into the third quarter and, and you know, in the fourth quarter maybe get a series or two for each guy. Um, you know, extend that competition into game action basically and see which one looks more confident and composed. There's no point in, you know, not playing either guy. Obviously, you know, uh, the DSC has already used that redshirt year last year. Um is it Kurt? Is it Walding or Walden? I'm, I'm playing. It's Walding, right? Yeah, that's what I. Okay, um, and and so you know he's. I don't believe got a redshirt year. He's a transfer from a JUCO. So, I mean, you know, if if they're gonna play, play them. You know, there's no point sitting them or anything. So, hopefully so. Um, but I'm not confident that that we'll see either one. I mean, I think this is a game that. Uh, we're going to have to earn over four quarters. I don't, I'd love to see a game where we're up, you know, 35 to three at the half and we could just put it in cruise control, but I don't foresee that being the case. I I think it's a game that will win, but it's not going to be a blowout and it's not going to be in hand until fairly late. I'm predicting a comfortable outcome for the devils. Halftime up by 10 10 or 14 yeah and and winning i'm gonna say 37 to 17 making me feel too good about our defense yeah yeah i mean i i could see a similar type of game i feel like it's a game that uh you know going into the fourth will not be over um you know, it's I, I, again. I hope it is. I hope it's a game that you know we go into the fourth row by you know four or five touchdowns, and we can just kind of you know put in those backups, you know, quarterback, running back, etc. Get them all some time. You know, get your maybe even some of those true freshmen that you intend to redshirt. But you know, you got those four games now. This is a game where hopefully you can use them. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm thinking somewhere in that kind of area too. Uh, I'll go a little higher scoring. I'm going to go like 41-24, something like that. Um, 
you know, I, I think our offense should look good. It needs to, as you said, to start with. We I need to score. Um, and that's going to be the case all year, I think. I don't think we're going to win many games, um, you know, like the Washington game last year. I would say those will be few and far between where we win, you know, 13-7 to 7 or anything close to that. Um, but, you know, maybe there, maybe there'll be a surprise. I mean, maybe, maybe this defense uh, will overachieve and do some things we're not expecting. But certainly, you look at it, this needs to probably be an offense-heavy team. So, they're 1-0. Yeah. Feeling good. Double-digit victory. Yep. And then the number 11th-ranked Michigan State Spartans roll in to Sun Devil Stadium. Yep, yep, yep. A good test. Uh, an, an exciting non-conference game. I mean, uh, you know, when's the – trying to remember the last time we played a uh, top 15 team, uh, you know, in non-conference at home. Uh, Notre Dame, I guess, probably 2014. And that, was a, right. that was an odd one because it was late in the year. I mean, we played Texas Tech two years ago, but they were not ranked. They had some fanfare because of Mahomes and their offense and all that. Um, uh, you know, last year we played San Diego State. It was a good team, but they weren't ranked. Uh, you know, so, yeah, it's it's uh, one of the bigger non-conference games we've had here in a while and, and you know, should be a, a really good test. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, we talked about the Big Ten a few weeks ago and, it's a it's a loaded conference, especially that Big Ten East, which they're a part of. And uh, you know, but for one bad year or two years ago, they are a you know year in and year out really really good team and look to be the same this year. The Spartans open at home against Utah State, then they travel to us, followed yeah. by a road game at Indiana. But they have a bye in between, so yeah. we're not going to be looked past. We're not going to be slept upon. We are the no, first road no, game. No, no. And they get an extra day. I don't know how much that matters, but they open on Friday night, um, you know, against Utah State. So they have an extra day to, to, you know, physically rest up. You would figure that's a game they'll be able to put it on cruise control in the second half uh, if they are as good as they're supposed to be, you know, at home against Utah State. You'd think they'd handle their business pretty easily. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, it's, it's not a game where they're going to be uh, – you know, physically beat up or, or, yeah, looking ahead to their next opponent. Um, and yet I think there are, we talked about this, I alluded to it a couple weeks ago, we have some inherent advantages in this game, not only being at home, but being as late at night as it is. You talk, always hear about, you know, the adjustment for a West Coast team going and playing like the 9 a.m. game, 9 a.m. Pacific. Well, this is, a, you know, 10.30 local start for them, which means the game is going to be ending about, 1.32 a.m. their time. So, you know, you, you just wonder if the body clock may come in to be a, a factor for us. I'm hoping it is. Well, as someone who has to stay up late for these games, I get very tired. It's tough. I mean, it is. It's, it's an adjustment. I mean, it is weird, you know. I, I, I uh, you know, certainly am not a high-level athlete or anything like that, but I was just, you know, I went back to Indianapolis this past week to see the Colts and it's odd. You know, you, I got in there at, you know, midnight, but it felt like 9 o'clock. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't feel late at all. I mean, it, it's an adjustment. And certainly playing playing a sport, playing in the heat, and it's going to be hot, obviously, even that late at night. It's not going to cool down. Um, you know, it, it will be a, a test for them. And, um, you know, it's definitely an advantage I think we should be able to exploit. Is it enough to win? I'm not sure. But uh, it's, it's something that, certainly could play to our favor. I don't think we're going to win. I have us losing this game and being one and one 
I do have us winning. I do. Um, for a lot of those reasons I said, I think, you know, they, uh, I feel like this is a game to take advantage of. Um, you know, the crowd should be whipped up into a frenzy. Feels a little bit like the Washington game last year, where it's a team that's better than us. I don't think there's any doubt. But, you know, you, the crowd should be good. The, the heat will be in our advantage. Um, we'll, you know, hopefully have some positive momentum from the previous week. Um, I think, you know, we'll win I, 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 under the way I see the season playing out. We get the win. Everybody starts to jump on the, you know, the hype train and that hype train will will slow down as the weeks pass. I don't think this is a win that launches us to a 10 win season, but I do think we could get this win. I think Michigan State plays a style that keeps you in games. They're not a they're not a explosive offense. You know, they're going to you know run up 50 points on you very often. And I think, you know, if it's if it's close with a chance in the fourth quarter, we'll be able to pull it out. So you're two and oh. Yeah. You have the train rolling, which is good because people still have time time. to get on board. Like you said, you know, people will be getting on board. As Herm said, you can get on now, you can get on later. That's right. And, and I believe that, you know, if again, playing the season out, like I think it will go, there'll be a lot of excitement. And, and then that excitement will not continue very long. Um, you know, at at that level, at least, uh, I don't think the season is going to be a disaster, but I don't, see that it's going to launch us to, you know, a 10 or 11 win season, like I said. We're 2-0. and We just knocked off a top 15 team. Yeah. We're probably receiving votes in at least one poll. Right. We travel to San Diego State to take on the Aztecs, Danny Gonzalez's former team, where in theory we should know a thing or two. The game's going to be yeah. on uh, CBS Sports. <laughs> CBS Sports, yep, yep. Marking our third straight game, by the way, not on Pac-12, which is I know it's nice. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I understand that we should know some San Diego State tendencies. I understand that Rashad Penny's gone. Right. I also understand that this is our first road test in a moderately difficult place to play against a team that's always prepared. Pretty good. Yeah. I, I want to be clear. I hope that what I'm saying is wrong. My fandom wants me to be wrong, but I have us losing this game and starting one and two. Yeah, I've got us losing that game too, and that's what I was kind of alluding to with the, you know, the people will be jumping on the bandwagon and then they'll be quick to jump off um, because people will look and say, oh you, you, oh, you ruined all your momentum by losing to San Diego State. Well, in reality, San Diego State's a pretty good program, and it's on the road. And, and it, you know, yeah, the, the first road game is always a test um, with a defense that's going to, you know, have a lot of new parts. And, yes, they'll have two games under their belt, but not in a hostile environment. Not, you know, not with a crowd that's, that's you know, making it difficult on them. Not with an offense that maybe is clicking at home like you'd expect an offense to click a little bit better than on the road. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't see us winning that. I, I, I um you know, in looking at the season overall, which, you know, we're, we're going game by game, but I kind of divide it into thirds. I feel like we need to come out of the opening third, two and two, to have a chance to, to have a pretty good season. Um, and I, so I think the Michigan State, San Diego State games are the ones that are kind of the toss ups of those. I don't see us winning at Washington, 
and and so I've got us I've got us you know home field basically carrying the day lose to, lose on the road win at home but could I see it going the other way possibly yeah well I see it going the other way and we lose at Washington we lose at San Diego State we lose yeah. at home to Michigan State and we're one in three so you've got one, one and three which I have you know I mean you're not alone in that I was just reading um you know, stuff today about, you know, oh, they're likely to have a one and three start. Certainly on paper, you, you could say that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I don't see us winning at Washington. I think that is the, the game on the schedule that seems the least likely to win. Um, we both had Washington, I believe, win in the Pac-12. I know I did. Yeah. I think you did, too. Um, on the road, good, you know, really good home field atmosphere, but they have – it's just a really good team. I mean, you know, you, you combine the two, it's a tough place to play. Even when Washington is average, they're better than average this year. I think, um, you know, much better. And I, yeah, that's, that's a tough ask for anybody to go in there and win. Um, especially a team that I don't think is at their level. At this point, we're a third of the way through the year. Let's take a step back and, and talk about what you think you'll have seen at this point. Yeah. I think that Nikhil Harry will be good, but his numbers will not be as good as people expect because I think that he is just getting rolled coverage to him all the time. Yeah, and that's very possible, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting year because the expectations are through the roof for him. I mean, I think people that follow the program, like you and me, are expecting him to have, you know, uh, 1400 yards and and you know 12 touchdowns and michael crabtree hard to do. at texas tech numbers yeah yeah i mean that's gonna be hard to do um for anybody it just is but um it's gonna it's gonna necessitate that you know one we have a good enough defense to you know uh, be able to win games and and all you know the team is well-rounded enough but more so, you know, that the offense is well-rounded, that, you know, we can run the ball, that we can protect Manny Wilkins, um, that the other receivers can play their roles. I mean, you know, it's it, because you're right. I mean, if, if you make it obvious to your opponent that, you know, Nikhil Harry is the best player on the field and there isn't a close second, they're going to take him away and they're going to they're going to find out, OK, your second, third, fourth best players, they're not very good. So why should we? concern ourselves too much with them like we need kyle williams i mean he's gotten rave reviews in the, in the preseason um we that's need him exactly to where that. i was going i think that harry's numbers will look more pedestrian than we're used to yeah. he'll still get his i i think that he'll average yeah. somewhere in the vicinity of you know 65 yards a game across the first four games yeah and yeah. And, and probably pick up a couple touchdowns I expect one out of the gate against UTSA and one yeah. somewhere else along the way. But I think that we are going to be a pass-heavy team, and I think it's going to be Kyle Williams. Here's my yeah. one other comment about the offense before we flip over to the defense. Yeah. I don't know what to expect from this running game. I'm trying to believe in the no. offensive line. But I, I could see a world, especially with the kind of defense Michigan State plays and San Diego State mm-hmm. has and Washington's capable of, where our leading rusher is Manny. Yeah, which would not be good, I don't think, but I could see it too. I mean, I don't think the offense is going to be designed for that. Um, but that would mean that, you know, we're calling 50 or 60 pass plays a game and he's scrambling on, you know, 
fifteen percent of those, yeah. you know, something like that, to get his yards, um, which he can do. I mean, and, and that's a nice thing to have when you know. But but yeah, I mean, I don't think the offense is going to be built that way. I don't I don't foresee. Again, it'll be interesting. We don't know too much about how this offense is going to look, but um, from what you've heard, this is not going to be one that there's a lot of you know called quarterback runs. Unless maybe in a special, you know, goal line situation or third short or something like that, but um, doesn't feel like it's going to be that type of offense unless there's, you know, stuff they haven't shown us, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, we lose uh, two really good running backs, uh, one in, in Demario Richard that you know finished the year so strong. Um, you know, Balaj did not have a great senior year. It, it was it was hit or miss, as was really his whole career. He kind of had some really good highs and a lot of games where he just wasn't a big factor. Richard was more consistent and had that great burst the last you know four or five games that just carried us uh, in in the Colorado game and then the Arizona game. I mean, he was so good in those. Um, so we'll miss them, and, and you know it's it's a big pressure on you know Benjamin and, and a cast of basically unknowns beyond him. Uh, you know a lot of newcomers and Traylon Smith, who's essentially a newcomer. He you know he touched the ball I think you know less than five times last year, so he's he's basically new to this role as well. Um, you know, so it, it'll be very interesting to see you know how that shakes out and how good this line is. A lot of faces back, but are they good? Or do we just have a lot of returners who are still very average? Uh, I mean, that's a big question for me, too. Well, and the fact that we can hand over guys, uh, hand jobs to guys, rather, who are transferring over as graduate right. players, and it's not even a question, uh, that's a bad sign for the returners. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, we lose our, theoretically, probably our best offensive lineman from last year, which was Sam Jones. I mean, he got drafted, so obviously, he's pretty good talent. Um, uh, you know, but we have three returning starters, another who, uh, you know, started, another couple who started at times, and then, you know, a couple other guys who started in the Pac-12, not for us, but, you know, Hems- Hemsley and uh, uh, Casey Tucker. Tucker, I guess. Um, you know, and Tucker appears to be locked into a starting spot. I don't know, but the other guy may not, uh, at least out the gate. But, um, you know, I mean, there's there's guys back. It should be, it should be a group of strength, but it it's not guaranteed. I mean, you know, we we can't we can't assume that this is the you know the Wisconsin offensive line or something like that, where it's like, oh, we got this great unit there, and they're gonna give Manny plenty of time and open up giant holes in the running game. And I mean, it was a weakness last year for most of the year, and you're bringing back a lot of the guys who were part of that group that was a weakness. So, you know, what can you expect? I'm not sure. That that will be a big question for how good this entire offense is. As we've seen over the years, some pretty good offenses have been derailed by bad offensive lines. We've had years where we've had talent at the skill positions, but it hasn't mattered. Yeah. Basically the Bryce Schwab era. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go back to the, you know, the 08 season, one of the more disappointing years that that I can remember here along with 2015. Um, you know, started in the top 25, and that team had a lot of flaws, but certainly, you know, had a had a you know senior quarterback, a senior running back, two really good receivers uh, coming off a 10 win season, and the offensive line was a disaster, and it and it helped to submarine that entire offense and basically the entire season. 
Let's move to the middle third of the year, and then we'll talk about the defense. Yeah. The middle third starts with what I consider to be the second must-win game. They're, yes. They're, you know, Arizona aside, which is a fan must-win. Yeah. A, yeah. The, the X's and O's must-win game for the conference is Oregon State. Is Oregon home. State at home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Still yeah. in September, still with the weather advantage. Right, right. To me, uh, you know, we just talked about the first four. The next four is very – it has a similar feel. You open with a home game against a team that you should beat. And you finish with a road game against one of the conference favorites. And in between, you've got a home game against a pretty good team and a road game against uh, maybe a team that's not as good. And I feel exactly the same. I feel like we need to come out of this 2-2 two and two as well. I think if we can go 2-2, two 2-2, and two, two and two, we'll be positioned okay going into November. Well, I'm with you on on that, especially as a projection for success as a team. If they yeah. if they are four and four through the first eight, that is better than I project, um, and would be very good. I think. Yeah. And, and obviously yeah, yeah. beats at the three and a half over under that we were facing. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just uh, and I and I just thought of this really a couple of days ago as I was kind of going through the games you know, preparing for this. I thought, well, you know, it feels feels like it's very similar. And, yeah, Oregon State feels a lot like UTSA. It's a home game against a team you should beat. If you're if you're going to be a uh, winning team, you know, a, a, a six-plus wins type of team, um, then you should win that game. And, you know, I, I am picking us to win that game. Um, but I agree with you. You know, if the season's going to be anything, UTSA and Oregon State have to be wins. And then you got to find a way to pick up, you know, four or five others somewhere else. Yeah, I've got us beating Oregon State. I think this is as close to a layup in the conference as you can get. I, maybe they're pointing in the be. right direction. Who knows? I mean, I, I but, think you know you can only you can only go up from where they've been. <laughs> Obviously, last year they you know won one game and it was against a, an FCS team. Um, so that you know, there's no room to get worse, basically. But. I don't think it'll happen this year. We, when we did our, you know, Pac-12 discussion, uh, you know, I think it's it's a rebuilding project there. I mean, three years from now, we might look and say, okay, Oregon State's back to being relevant. This year probably is not that year. The next week, October sixth, first October game, we travel to Boulder to take on the yeah. Buffaloes. Colorado at this point will have uh, just played UCLA at home on the twenty eighth. And be staring down the barrel of the Pac-12 favorite, Pac-12 South favorite USC on the road the week after. I think we get this one. I have us stealing this one and getting to three and three. Yeah, I've got us winning it, and that would get us to four or two on mine. So we're the only one we're differing so far is Michigan State. Um, uh, This is a this to me is a tough one. I mean, it's not a it's not a gimme. Uh, You know, we've had some. Good success in Colorado. Uh, we lost there two years ago, with, but they were a really good team. Aside from that, I think we've we've beaten them every time we've gone there. Um, and, you know, and, and we beat them last year at home. Outlasted them. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think they're very similar to us this year. Um, you know, a team that's probably looking looking down the barrel of if things go well, they win seven. If things don't go well, they win four or five. Um, and you know, I I'm not convinced. There's nothing I can say that I'd like, this is why we'll win. I'm just thinking we'll win. That's all I got there. We both have them 2-1 in conference. 
Yeah. Then we get ASU gets this the mini buy before right. Stanford on October 18th, followed by a mini buy at USC yeah. on the 27th. Yeah. So the 12 days off and then nine days off, which is how the Pac-12 often does it. They don't give you the full two weeks, but you know it's it's good. You get that. You get plenty of time to prepare for the Thursday. You don't have a short week, and then you. And you get a little longer week, you know, before your next opponent as well. I actually like it as a setup, especially I, as a I like fan. It. it keeps yeah. you it keeps you honest. It does. It does. I mean, you know, in a in a college season where you, you know, you got twelve games in the span of thirteen or fourteen weeks, you're not going to get you know a full buy and then another. But I, I mean, I like it better than the way the NFL does it with Thursdays. Um, because you don't, you know, you don't get the, oh, we just played on Saturday, now we're playing Thursday, guys are injured, they're banged up, they're, I mean, you get, a, you get a chance to actually, that Thursday game should be a, a true test of both teams, because they will have had, you know, 12 days off each before that. Yeah, absolutely. So, what do you have happening against the tree at home on October I've got 18th? that being a loss. I've got that being our, our first loss at home. I think... Uh, I think Stanford is a Michigan State type of team, but by the time you get to October 18th, one won't be as hot. Two, if it's late, who can, they don't. You know, it's the same time for them. You know, there's those those things that I think could play into our advantage against Michigan State. They're not there for that game. And um, you know, granted, it's a different coaching staff, but Stanford has had our number uh, over the last few years with David Shaw and even back to Jim Harbaugh. Um, and, and they should be pretty good. I mean, we, we both picked Washington to win the North, and I think, you know, I'm still sticking with that. But I think Stanford's a pretty good team, a team that could win, you know, nine or ten games again, just like they seem to do every year. They have a, you know, borderline Heisman favorite. Uh, some, you know, by some sources he is the favorite. Uh, good quarterback, good defense, all those things. I, I think they win. I think that they win also. I think that it's entirely possible that Stanford's the second best team in the conference when all is said and done. The problem is I they play so in the North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They won't play in the title game, but yeah, I, I think you know that very well could be right. So, as you go through, if they don't win this game at home, there's you can't expect them to beat USC at USC. I do not. No, I do not. I think. Uh, the news of the night, not sure if you saw it, but it's official USC is going with the true freshman JT Daniels as quarterback from, from game one, um, which I didn't know that Helton would have the guts to do, but I, I like that he did. Uh, by that time, you know, he'll be well into the season if he's still starting and healthy and all of that. So you're not you're not getting a kid at that point who's making his, you know, first or second start. Um and they are really talented. I mean, they, they may have, uh, you know, we said Stanford may be the second best team. Uh, USC is probably the second or maybe most talented team in the conference just on pure talent across the board. Um, and, and you know, yeah, going going there is not impossible. As we've discussed many times, the Coliseum is not a real intimidating atmosphere, but they're just better most of the time. And that's why going there is hard because they have so much talent. I was just about to say that. It's not that it's the Coliseum. It's that the team wearing the right. jerseys is really good. Right. It's a good team, yeah. And, and they have recruited very well over the last few years. They've, you know, the, the sanctions are all in the rearview mirror. They, they've got the full complement. They've 
got plenty of talent at every position. Defense is loaded with returning starters. Uh, and, and if this kid, Daniels, is as good as people think, and he's gotten he's gotten great reviews. Now, he's a freshman. I'm sure he's going to have his bumps. But, um, you know, if he's up to it, they could win the Pac-12. I mean, you know, if he's, if he's up to the job and as good as the hype says, they got every chance. Um, I'm not sure yet. I mean, he, he is a freshman who should be a high school senior. You know, he skipped his entire senior year to come early, and now he's now he's starting for USC right away. So it'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see us winning that game I, again. I've I've got it. I've got the opening uh, two thirds of the season playing out similarly. Win the first two, lose the next two. Win the next two, lose the next two. I have us dropping this game. Uh, I think that if we're looking for hope that's not injury related to win this, it's that Utah plays them the week before and they are a yeah. well-coached team that might put something on film that we can exploit. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you never know. I, I don't feel like there's very many games aside from at Washington that we can't win. You know, I mean, meaning that barring some type of miracle, we're not winning that game. I think every other game is, is you know, doable, but knowing our limitations, knowing where we're probably going to have weak points and knowing, you know, some of these teams are pretty good, you know, we're, we're not going to win them all. Obviously, uh, you know, this is, this is one that just is hard to see uh, going there and getting a win unless, you know, again, by the time we get to this point of the year, you know, when we're, when we're in game week, things could feel a lot different than they do now happens a lot, but it's hard to, hard to see it right now. So now that we're through the second third of the season, and I have them at three and five, you have ASU at four and four. Four and four, yeah. Let's talk about the defensive side of the football. A lot of new faces everywhere except for yeah. the uh, two corner positions. Corners, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's uh, such an unknown at everything. Really, I mean, uh, you know, we, we, as you said, you know, front seven or front six, I guess, in this defense is almost completely new. Um, you know, uh, Karan Crump is back, but we don't know what we're going to get out of him early in the year. And, you know, the college season is one, like, if a guy's not ready early in the year, it moves fast. And if he's not ready by week one or two, uh, you know, does the train leave the station without him, basically? And, you know, who knows? Um and, and, you know, basically aside from that, the defensive line is almost entirely new. Linebackers, aside from him, are pretty much entirely new. Um, and the safeties, you know, the guys who played last year are playing different roles now than they did last year. So, it, and it, you know, as, you, as we've talked about, completely new scheme, new coordinator, all that. Um, so who knows? I mean, you know, predicting what you're going to get out of this defense is uh, – you know, it's it's hard to do because there's just so much unknown about it. It's going to be interesting, I think, to see how the two switches work for Herm, the way Graham would flip guys from yeah. offense to defense. And, and now you're yeah. asking Ralston to move and play linebacker, which right. I don't know what you think about that. It seems to me more of a... 
necessity because Ralston was not going to fit what they wanted to do with running backs. Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. And, and, you know, I guess he played in high school. Maybe it'll, he'll contribute there, but yeah, I, I think his, uh, his window at running back was not going to be there. So, you know, you give him a chance somewhere else, basically. Then the question goes to Jalen Harvey at safety right. after missing some time in camp with injury. I'm just not sure what you can realistically expect from him. Yeah. And, and yeah, then losing I mean, Tyler Wiley, who, you know, is the new version of the running back who looks good in camp. Every man, year you hear how good Tyler Wiley looks, and this year it finally looked like it was going to be all put together, and then he's out. He gets hurt, done for the year, yeah. So, so you're looking at tough, tough one. Yeah. You're looking at Tadala Tassi and Evan, Evan Fields, Fields to replace him. Devontae King, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be three safeties, I guess, basically on the field at, at most times. So um, plenty of opportunity there, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, Jalen Harvey's going to get his chance. He, uh, you know got great reviews in the spring now he's missed some time as you said but you know injured in the fall but um you know people seem to really think he was lighting things up in the spring really took to the position well uh so yeah i mean it's it's just gonna be it's gonna be very uh, interesting to see i don't think there's much in the way of expectation for this defense you know neither you or i is expecting the unit to all of a sudden become you know one of the tops in the in the conference or country um but it's an you know it's a new scheme, um, and you know we know this guy's a pretty good coach, or at least he was at his previous stop. We saw it last year. It was one of the games our offense looked the worst was was that game against San Diego State, um, and and so you know maybe he's got some tricks up his sleeves. Uh, he's going to need to you know there's not we're not going to win a lot on defense with just pure talent. It's going to need to be schemed and coached well. And it's going to need to throw wrinkles at teams that they haven't seen before. You went exactly where I was going to try to lead you with this. My thought is similar to Todd Graham's first couple years or the matchup zone in the Mm -hmm. Herb Sendek era. We're just, we're doing, we're doing something no one else in the conference does. And that might buy our defense a little time to actually get better. It might. It might. I mean, one of the that's, uh, you know, I think we've talked about this. One of the things that really seemed to hurt in 2016, especially, was it felt like everyone knew what we were doing. And I think Utah was the staff that even basically said, like, we we knew exactly what they were going to be doing. And and we got stale. Well, we won't be stale. You know, I mean, we we know that this is not going to be a stale uh, everybody looks at this and says, oh, well, ASU, we know what they're going to do. No, they don't. We don't. Uh, so, so we have that advantage. Hopefully, it is an advantage of of you know throwing something at teams that they haven't seen. Now, we still have to execute. I mean, you know, you still have to have the players make plays and cover and tackle and all of that. You can have all the bells and whistles you want, and if you don't have talent, it doesn't matter. And that's going to be the question: Do we have enough talent to make the schemes work? And we'll, time will tell on that. I feel like Laiu Mokiola would have fit in really well in this system. Probably would have. Yeah, he probably would have. That's a name I had forgotten about, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, a, a hybrid safety linebacker type player is, is certainly, you know, which what he was, um, you know, probably would have been a good fit. But, yeah, this will be interesting. I mean, it, you know, the, the offense, I, I you know, it's got its questions like we were talking about running back and how good the line is. But in a lot of ways, I think we know – 
at least more of what we're going to get. We got a, a quarterback that's back. We got receivers. We got a line that's been there for a while. Coach is, is not the same coordinator, but he was here last year. And defensively, you, you take almost all those things and throw them out. And yeah, the corners are back. And I know everybody loves Chase Lucas. He got a lot of love, and I, I hope that continues. But I'm interested to see him in his second year because you know he he wasn't he wasn't you know Deion Sanders last year. He was good, um, but you know I'm curious does he have a sophomore slump? We can't really afford him to. He, he needs to he needs to continue to grow and not take any steps back. In our discussions before, I, I talked about how in the NFL, Jalen Ramsey I thought would have a great year that would yeah. be borne out by the numbers. It'll be borne out because. Teams don't throw at him, period, right. kind of like a Deion Sanders. Right. I think that Chase Lucas's numbers last year may not have been a factor of how good he was and more a factor of how much better he was than the alternative. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I mean, uh, you know, interceptions are – I mean, it's such a – it's an easy way to judge defensive backs, but it's really not a good way to because, as you said, you know, some of the best defensive backs, they don't get interceptions because teams avoid them. Um you know, and, and sometimes the guys who get interceptions aren't even the guy who really made the play. You know, you see it all the time. Guy get you know, ball gets tipped around and somebody ends up with an interception. Um, and it's like, oh, that guy, you know, he's got five picks. Well, yeah, three of them, somebody else made a play and the ball landed in his chest. Uh, you know, so it's 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 a little hard to judge. Um, he had a good year, um, and I hope he's on his way. I mean, they're, God, they're you know, and it's crazy, I know, but, you know, the people, oh, he could be a first-round pick, you know, in two years, three years. I hope that's all true, but this will be interesting this year, I mean, because now he's not an unknown quantity anymore, and and teams have had a chance to scout him and know if, know if he's really as good as he's supposed to be, and if he's not, they'll find ways to take advantage of it. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that he can't do it or that he's not a good corner. What I'm saying is, I don't think we know yet. Exactly. Exactly. That. Yeah. I. I would. Uh, I would agree with you completely. I mean, he could be. I hope he is. But I think, um, in some ways, there's this feeling because there's so much else unknown on this defense that it's like you know, uh, oh well, you know, Chase Lucas, he's got that corner thing locked down. Like, eh, let's let's not just assume that we've got an all conference corner there. He might be. I hope he is. But he's going to get tested this year. I don't, I, you know, like you said about Jalen Ramsey. I don't foresee teams are going to go in thinking, "Well, we can't. We got to cut away half the field because Chase Lucas is over there." Now, if he continues to play great, maybe next year they will. But you know, these these offenses are not going to shy away from Chase Lucas because he's a freshman All American. I think that Merlin Robinson and uh, Ashari Crosswell will be starters after the four games are up. I I think that you will see them as starters in that middle third of the season. What do you, do you think that's reasonable? Yeah. I I mean, I think, um, I think at linebacker, very likely you're going to, I mean, it sounds like you're going to see them starting from day one. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, uh, Merlin Robertson in, in what him and Lambert. Stanley Lambert. Exactly, yeah, yeah, you know, so, I mean, it sounds like our, I mean, I read, you know, a couple couple days ago or last week one day, you know, they had kind of a projected two deep, and, you know, five of the six linebackers that were listed there had never played a snap at linebacker before, 
uh, you know, whether they were freshmen transfers or like Nick Ralston, who, you know, has been here but hasn't played there. Um, so it's going to be almost an entirely new group. And, yeah, I think so. And then Crosswell's safety, right? Yeah. Yep. So I, so yeah, I would I would say there's a pretty good chance that he'll if he's not a starter in in you know name he'll play a lot. And you know from what Danny Gonzalez has said, he wants to be on like last year's defense where you know we're not going to play eleven guys exclusively. Uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna go twenty two deep basically uh, you know to to the point you know where there's going to be not much difference in playing time between your starters and your reserves i think he's definitely going to be part of that group i think it's going to be really interesting to see the first game and not have to talk to each other about were they punishing <laughs> the defensive players <laughs> you know i i always uh, I'll, I'll never forget that because you know we were there obviously last year and and, and I, the only reason I noticed it was because there had been so much preseason talk about the secondary and who was going to play in the secondary and who was going to win the jobs. And so I'm kind of thinking, OK, you know, I want to see who's out there first next series, who's out there. And like every series that went by was the same guys. Like, what what is happening here? Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it changed over the course of the year a little because it had to. We started to have injuries and things like that. But uh, it was bizarre last year, the, the approach to basically say, okay, these are our 11, and we're going to ride and die with them no matter what. Uh, that doesn't work. It's just not at this level. Not, not in the heat, not with the offenses you play that run you know, 80, 90, 100 snaps. You can't do that. You've you got to have some depth. All right, so let's go to the final third of the season. I've got them three and five. You're four and yeah. four. Both – Striking distance of bowl eligibility. Yes. The final third of the season, home against Utah. This is all November, starting November 3rd. Yeah. No buys. Yeah. Home against Utah, home against UCLA, which is senior day. Right. Early, yeah. At Oregon, at Arizona. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting stretch. I mean, uh, you know, a couple months ago I was, you know, looking at the schedule and, and I came to that last four stretch and I thought – and I still do. It's it's the hardest to predict for me because I I think you know especially the last three you got teams that are in similar positions to us. They're all all got a new coach, which means they all got question marks. You know they all had decent years last year. They made a bowl, all three of them. So did we. But um, you know they weren't great. That's why they're replacing their coach. Uh, I mean Oregon's left for a, for a new job. The other two fired their coach just like we did. Um, and so it's really hard to say what you're going to get from those teams. Uh, UCLA, to me, is a total unknown. Um, does Chip Kelly have an immediate impact? And, you know, they look like, you know, Oregon, uh, you know, in right away. Or does it take a while? Or does it never happen there for him? I'm not sure. Um, you know, Oregon and Arizona, you feel like you know a little bit more. They've got a little bit more returning talent, it seems like. Quarterbacks are back. But still, new coaches, how will they look by then? Uh, it's, it's, this is a hard stretch to predict because, you know, I think there's a lot of unknowns about us, and there is about those teams as well. When we first started this conversation, you, you said, obviously, as it goes to week to week, things yeah. can change. I am not confident at all that what I say now will hold true. No, no, I agree. I mean, that, that is almost what I was getting at, you know, in that this November stretch, and I include Utah. I mean, Utah doesn't have a new coach, and they, they do, you know, you kind of know a little bit more what you're going to get. But Utah has been a program that, 
you know, you know, overall they're pretty good, but they're inconsistent sometimes within seasons. They, you know, they have times where they look like they're the best team in the South, and then they lay a couple of eggs, and they end up finishing eight and four or seven and five. And think, uh, how did they finish there? They should have been better. And so, what what are you going to get from them November third? I'm not sure. Um, and then the other three teams. I feel like are really hard to forecast because, you know, again, new coaches, new, new quarterback in the case of UCLA, new approaches. And I mean, certainly in the case of UCLA, totally different approach. Sumlin brings a new approach than Rich Rod. Oregon promotes an assistant. So maybe they stay a little bit more consistent with what they've done. But, um, you know, it's just, it's really hard to forecast what we and they are going to be by week, you know, 10, 11, 12 when we play them. I know you were high on Utah during the preview. Yeah. I think we beat Utah on November 3rd. I do too. Now, I did pick Utah to win the South, but I think I think the South could be won by a team that goes, you know, 6 and 3, something like that. So I don't and picking Utah to lose doesn't doesn't change my mind there. Um, you know, I I don't see anybody winning the South at 9 and 0 or 8 and 1. You know, I just don't think anybody's good enough to do that. So I've got us beat Utah as well. So you are five and four. Yes. And I'm four and five. The UCLA game becomes very critical, doesn't it? It does. Because it does. it's the last home game. And for me, I I don't know that they can get to bowl eligibility if they don't win this game. Because I I have a hard time thinking that they'll be able to sweep the road. I agree. I agree, and I don't have them doing that. Um, uh, yeah, the UCLA game and, and UCLA overall, the more I think about it, is is one of the most interesting teams in the conference this year because of, of I'm just not sure what to expect from Chip Kelly. Um, you could make an argument that there's talent there. I mean, by the rankings, by the, you know, the on-paper recruiting rankings, Mora recruited very well. Uh, now, he, that didn't produce the wins, and so he's not the coach there anymore, but there should still be talent there. Um, and then you could also say, you know, Chip Kelly won at Oregon without elite-level talent across the board. Looking at it, and I, I looked this up a few days ago because I thought I thought that was the case. In, in Chip Kelly's four years there, they had, I think, three guys get drafted in the first round total. So they did not have a ton of, like, blue-chip all-world talent. Yeah, they had Mariota, and he won the Heisman, and they had a couple other guys, you know. But they didn't have that, that like Alabama does or Ohio State or some of these programs. Um, Yet, flip side, you know, Chip Kelly took over a program that was already really good. Mike Bellotti laid the foundation, and Kelly pushed him to a little bit higher level. UCLA's not there. So can he take a team from 6-6 and to greatness? We haven't seen that yet. And he took over an Oregon team that was on the doorstep, and he took them further in the door. This is a different test. He came with a lot of fanfare. Yes. Because he left the Pac-12 with a lot of fanfare. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that this is the year. Obviously, with all first-year coaches, you can't judge them just on the year. Right. But I'm not sure right. this is the year you'll know, and that's why I think we have a chance to actually beat UCLA. I do too. I, I have us winning the game again. I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll put this on every game, probably really after this, the Stanford game they're on and maybe even earlier, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind on game week. 
Um, oh, I, on I am 100% at, not being locked into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, based on what we've looked at as a team and based on what those opponents have done, because right now they're unknowns as well. Um, but, yeah, certainly as we get further and further into the year, you know, these, these feelings could change a lot to even be more confident or to be much less confident. I mean, I, you know, I may be, by that point, I may be thinking, oh, UCLA, we got to win that game. They're not very good. We're at home and we got to take care of business. Or you might be looking at it and thinking, wow, UCLA is pretty darn good. They're, they're you know, atop the South and, and we're not as good as I thought. And, oh, my God, to think, you know, we could beat them is foolish. Either one is certainly possible. I think we win. So I've got them five and five. You've got them bowl eligible. I got a six and four at that point. Yeah. And then, then the two road games, which I think are both going to be tough. Um, you know, they'll have played by the time they travel to Oregon, they'll have played four or I'm sorry, three straight weeks with no additional time off. And, Odson, when Oregon is good, is a tough place to play. I think Oregon's sure. going to be decent. So yeah. I, I don't have us taking this. I have us slipping to either. five and six. I have us. I have us losing that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, it was a it was a toss up game last year. We we won on home field. I think it might be the same kind of game, but the opposite result this year. Um, you know, Oregon should be pretty good. Uh, uh, I mean, I, you know, I I think Justin Herbert by the end of the year could be. One of, if not the top, you know, NFL draft prospects uh, among quarterbacks. I don't think it went to Heisman, but different discussion when you're talking, you know, NFL draft. He has he has all the capabilities, I think, there to, to be, you know, on that first round radar at the end of the year. Um, and, I, you know, I think, again, talking about the weaknesses of our defense, that's an offense that probably will be able to exploit it. Yeah. Uh, your logic is right on pace with where I'm at. Yeah. So I need a win here for bowl eligibility right. in the rivalry game. You've got us eligible. I'm going to be very, very honest right now. My head and my heart don't align <laughs> on this pick. I got you. I'm going with my heart. Yeah. And picking up ASU to win and being bowl eligible for whatever, probably the New Mexico Bowl. Something um, like that, yeah. But my head is telling me five and seven and just be yeah. happy with that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, uh, well, I think it was a few days ago when we did our NFL picks and I said, I'm not picking the Patriots to win the AFC, even though I, you know, maybe I should. I'm not picking Arizona to beat Arizona State, even though maybe I should. I, I mean, you know, just not. So I'm picking ASU. Much like several of these games, I can't necessarily give you a great reason or great analysis to say, uh, again, beyond beyond Michigan State, that's, that's one I went out on a limb and I, I've got my reasons. And then UTSA and Oregon State, because I don't think those are, you know, those are opponents that just aren't very good. Uh, beyond those, it's, it's just, it's a feeling right now. Um, I, I don't have a lot of like logical points that I can say, well, we'll be able to do this and we'll be able to take this away from them and they'll struggle to do this. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not picking Arizona to beat Arizona State. That's all there is to it. Honest. Honest. So, so ultimately we've got, with you picking ASU to win that game, we only vary on one game and that's Michigan State in week two, I guess. 
Yeah, I'm surprised. I thought that I thought that I was going to be more negative than you. Um, well, you are by one game. I, guess. I know, but, but I guess uh, I I thought that you, thought you would, I was going to go more than seven. I thought you might have a sweep the non-conference and and that that yeah, would be the difference. Yeah, you know, and I thought about it, and and if we, you know, it's again, I mean, that's I say, you know, I'm kind of trying to project if we do beat Michigan State. Certainly on that week of the San Diego State game, I might feel differently and say, okay, yeah, we're good enough to go there and win. Uh, right now, I feel like the way we're going to beat Michigan State, if we do, is going to be a little bit fluky. Um, a little bit like the Washington game last year where you feel like, well, we really were not the better team. But we won, so great. You know, hey, take it. Um, you know, and, and so I don't see us being able to do that. Um, this is a hard year to project. I I feel like, I was thinking about this a couple nights ago, I feel like we're going into this year and people are acting like, you know, we're coming off of a 2-10 and 10 season and we've got no hope. And, I mean, we won seven games last year and we beat a fair amount of good teams on the way to do that. We beat Washington, we beat Oregon, we beat Arizona, we beat Utah. Uh, you know, we, we weren't a terrible team and we didn't lose, you know, 20 starters or anything like that. Um, and so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm scratching my head in some ways about why the attitude of, oh my God, they're going to be lucky to win three games. Like we shouldn't have that attitude. I mean, yes, the schedule is difficult, but it's always going to be difficult. I mean, it's, it's a tough conference. You're not, you're not going to look at it and say, oh, this should be a breeze to win 11 games. Ain't going to happen. So, uh, you know, I think there should be more confidence than there is, I guess. I don't think that it's about the players. It's probably about Herb Edwards. It, yeah, I, I mean, I mean I agree. It's, it's about the lack of consistency. And, and honestly, some of my personal pessimism comes from what I was sold the day Herm Edwards came in. We're right. going to keep things the same we're gonna have the same coordinators we're gonna do the same things we built a great foundation and then we watch the foundation retire or take a head coaching job (laughs) yeah that's a that's a fair point i i can't uh can't dispute that and i and i mean there's there's um with herm edwards i guess i i you know there's two coaching hires i remember that were kind of in some ways treated with the same overwhelming negative reaction and they're both many many years ago but I remember them from when we were kids one was Pete Carroll at USC and one was John Makovic at Arizona and they couldn't have worked out any differently you know obviously Pete Carroll was unbelievable he won national titles and John Makovic was fired less than three years into his tenure there Um, and I think more people believe this is going to end like Makovic than Pete Carroll I I think it's not going to end like Pete Carroll but I'm hoping, certainly hoping, it has a better result than Macbeth. Let's say that. He's rah-rah. He's energetic, even though he's older. He's got some Carol tendencies. Yeah. But yeah. It, I it's mean, re- I I mean, it's revisionist that. history because now we know how Pete Carroll worked out. And it's right, like, well, there's no right. way Herm can do that. But I'm sure I mean, when USC hired Pete Carroll, most – No one saw that. Was, no one, absolutely. Yeah. I mean – I, you know, I wasn't living in L.A., obviously, you know, but I remember the general reaction was, boy, USC whiffed on everybody they wanted. They ended up with this NFL cast off who didn't do anything in the NFL, and he hasn't coached in college for a while. And what are they doing? 
And his first year, they went 6-6, six and six, and they lost the Vegas Bowl, I think, or something like that. And the feeling was, boy, what were they doing? Well, then year two, they won the Orange Bowl. Carson Palmer won the Heisman. And, you know, from there, it was, you know, national title, national title, you know, national runner-up. Uh, seven straight, you know, BCS games, Heismans, you know, top picks. I mean, a, a laundry list of a, an incredible run that they had for about seven or eight years. Um, and, you know, got Pete Carroll a, a better job when he won a Super Bowl. Probably should have won another. Um, and, you know, so it, it obviously was a great hire. Um, but the reaction at the time, certainly no one thought that. Now, do I think Herm Edwards is going to win, you know, two national titles and get to three national title games? No, that's an impossible standard to set but i'm i'm hoping that he, he this hire is more pete carroll than makovic but i don't know no one does anybody who tells you they know it, it doesn't they're 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 liars i mean you know uh, there's going to be plenty of people that if it doesn't work out will say oh, i knew it wouldn't work out no you don't you, you thought it wouldn't but you don't know no one does um time will tell and and yeah i think you're right i think that's a big reason why the feeling is you know Boy, this team is facing an uphill battle to win, you know, four games. I don't feel that way. I mean, this is this is a solid team. We're not, I'm not saying we're bringing back, you know, ten All Americans here, but we've got a returning starter at quarterback. We've got an All American at receiver. We got plenty of guys back on offense. We got two starting corners back. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be looking at this like, oh God, you know, we are gonna just be horrible. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are taking that attitude. Uh, I hope they're proven wrong, I guess. That's all I can say. Final thought that I have. Right now today, heading he hasn't coached a single game for ASU. I would take I would answer this question no. Do you think Herm Edwards will be the head football coach for game one of the twenty twenty two season for ASU? And I think the answer to that is no. So that'd be five years. Yeah, I think I don't think he gets into year five. Uh, I mean, if you made me put money on it, I'd bet no. I'd say that. Uh, you know, if it, if I had to put something on the line, and so I guess that's the most honest answer I can give because then I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily just being a homer. I would say no. Now that could be for a number of reasons. Well, and he's maybe, old. I think you're getting at that too. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be that things go great. And after year three, he says, all right, I'm retiring. I'm handing it over to my protege, whoever that is. Maybe Antonio it's Pierce. Maybe it's, yeah, you know, something like that. Um, I, I mean, as we've talked about, I don't think the plan from anyone is for Herm Edwards to be here for 10 years. Uh, I just don't. I mean, that, you know, now if he, if he is, great, I guess. I mean, that probably means he's done well. And, you know, if he's still got the energy at 74, great. But I don't think that's the plan or the thought. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I would lean toward probably no, uh, you, you know. And if he is, that probably is a good thing, I guess. Um, you know, I, in some ways I doubt if he's not good, he'll just retire. He probably won't get fired. I mean, it's very unlikely Ray Anderson will fire him. Now maybe another AD would fire him. I was going to say, I think it might be very likely that Ray Anderson doesn't get to make that call. <laughs> he may not, yeah. I mean, you know, more likely, I think it would, you know, if things go badly, let's say things go just terribly this year and next, I could see, you know, after two years that 
Ray and him, you know, have a heart to heart. And he says, okay, time for you to retire for, you know, family reasons. And I'm going to try to get this right this time. Um, rather than fire it, uh, you know, now again, all this is saying, I hope none of this happens, but that's probably more likely. But yeah, if, if he does get fired, it's likely because Ray Anderson has gotten fired before that. And somebody else is making that decision. I'm just not sure. The reason why I said that is I'm just not sure he'll be a football coach after four more seasons. I, that's just no, no. That I just agree. seems I mean, like a lot. Like for the the amount of things that could either go right or wrong, that yeah. all lead to the same conclusion of he hangs it up. I agree. I, agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're right. Um, and which, which of course, then emphasizes that. You know, we don't have a lot of time here. I mean, not that the program is going to stop existing if we don't win big in the next three years or four years, but if if this is going to work, if Ray Anderson's dream of, you know, us being a, a, a top three team in the conference on a consistent basis with Herm Edwards leading the way, it's got to happen soon. It's not likely to happen this year, but, you know, it needs to happen soon. And And, you know, I feel like there's a, there's a mentality of, well, this year's not the year. Well, okay, if this year's not the year, how's next year going to be the year? Because now you're replacing that quarterback and that All-American receiver, very likely, that we just talked about. So, you know, and, and that can be done. I mean, teams have won national titles with, with a first-year starting quarterback, but it, it makes it harder. I think there's no doubt about that. When you don't have any experience at that position, that makes the task a tougher one. Well, and on the other side of the ball, you know, or not even the other side of the ball, the offensive line, which should be a strength, those two grad transfers are gone, as are, yeah. you know, I think one of the guards. I think, I think so too, I think yeah. Bailey's yeah. a senior as well. Right, right. So a lot of the returning guys on offense will probably not be here next year. Some for sure, and others likely, just based on how good they are. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you hope, obviously, I guess, that, you can set a foundation defensively this year and, and you've got a lot of young guys that are likely to play big roles that should be back and maybe you could be a different type of team in 2019, a defensive heavy team that can allow your offense to have some growing pains. But still, I mean, I, like, I don't have the stomach for, for – let's say this. If you and I are doing this a year from now, and we will be doing it a year from now, and we're saying, well, six wins would feel good, that's going to upset me. Because when are we going to get to the point then where six wins won't feel good? I'll buy it for this year. Yes, it's a transition year and all that. But nonetheless, we won seven games last year. So this mentality of, oh, I just hope they can scratch out six wins somehow. Why do we have that mentality? It it bothers me a little bit, I guess. Well, yeah, it's not good. You know, I but mean, it's I, the I think, it's the same thing that led to the tweet from the SID saying, you know, I wonder right. who has to play on the road against all these good right. teams. It's like everybody, everybody who's everybody. not one of the ranked teams does. It's a, it's a mentality that bothers me, and 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 again, that's part of I think the mentality that Ray Anderson talked about. We shouldn't have it, and I agree with him a hundred percent. But then it has to be it has to be put into reality. Um, and not just a theory that you spout at a press conference and say, you know, well, we should be top three in the Pac-12. Sure. I, every team should feel that way. Bottom line is nine teams are not going to be. Uh, that's just simple math. And so if we're really going to be, you've got to start it. And, and so I guess it I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm almost 
second guessing myself here as much as I just said that I think seven and five would be a really good year. And in, in a lot of ways I do. Why am I saying that? This team went seven and five last year. And the whole idea was we're going to bring in a coach who gets us to a new level. So why do I feel like seven and five is good enough? It shouldn't be really. Yeah. I, I think part of it is honestly, we've had it beaten down so far on us yeah. that we're not, you know, that as fans, Right. We're not aligning our expectations with what the rationale for firing Todd right. Graham was. We're right. aligning our expectations against what the national media right. and, and the Pac-12 and the media, media. Yeah. have told yeah. us. Like, yeah, boy, you be happy if you get close. If you make a bowl, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, it is his first year, and I and I'll concede this. Um, anytime you bring in a new coach, you're theoretically making a bit of a you know, and this is air quotes on it, culture change. Everybody loves to say that. Um, and so basically, yes, you know, you are you are doing that. You're introducing, you know, new schemes, especially on defense. You're introducing new mentalities, new ways of practicing, new schedules, all that stuff. So I do expect some transition, and certainly recruiting this year was bumpy, although it turned out to be better than people thought. Um, and so, I, you know, I just, I just don't have the stomach for – every year saying this like I'll, I'll give them a honeymoon year somewhat this year when I say honeymoon I say six or seven wins feels okay four or less is not okay I'm sorry now I don't think you should get fired if he only wins four games that's insane to fire a coach after one year but but a, a year where it's like a honeymoon year meaning nothing matters no no it, it matters um, I don't have the stomach to go three and nine this year uh, you know that would be a gigantic step back from where we were you're telling me seven and five isn't good enough. Three and nine and four and eight certainly is not. Absolutely true. Hey, so, next time we'll we do this, there'll be a game. We'll have played a game. Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. Yes, we are. Uh, you know, six nights away from we will we will be in action. Exactly six nights from now, it'll be the first quarter, and things will be underway at Sun Devil Stadium. The new leadership model, the new new era of Sun Devil football. And we'll be here to talk to you about it because yep, if you've yep. listened this long, you obviously care about ASU football. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. So until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.